You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, Max is struggling today. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Ben Rector. <clears throat> Leave you waiting while I get a tissue. <laughs> Thanks, sir. I want to make this about, about David. Um, but there's something refreshing and raw, sorry, about seeing someone lead and, and truly worship God even when they're hurting, amen? So David, thanks for your vulnerability and I think you stepped out, I don't blame him, but appreciate you, man. All right, pull it together. Ben Rector has a song, um, I can't think of the title right now, but he says, standing still isn't easy when the world is moving backwards, which is well said. So standing still, isn't easy when the world is moving backwards. So when all of life and this world around us, problems, difficulties, whatever, are pushing against us and against the cause of Christ, just standing still, like holding your ground is not easy. Do you resonate with that? Much less like pushing forward and advancing the kingdom like that. That's a whole another challenge. But even just standing still is hard. Which is interesting because if you read the Gospels, by the way, turn to Mark, Mark chapter four, sorry. <laughs> uh, if you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus does, and especially the rest of the New Testament, you see that Jesus does expect us, call us to, to advance the kingdom, to push forward the kingdom. So it seems like a challenge because standing still is hard enough, much less pushing Forward. And when we say the kingdom, let me lean into that just for a second. Talk about the kingdom of God. There's this already but not yet nature. So you can almost think of it, I don't know if this is really helpful, but think of like a, a little a tree when it's first planted. It's there, it exists, but its full glory is not seen or known yet because and, and, it's not reached its end. It's not fully provided shade to the yard yet because it's not reached its end. And this is kind of similar to the kingdom of God in that like Mark chapter one, Jesus says, it's near, it's at hand, repent. So the kingdom of God is here. It came with Jesus, but it's not in its fullness yet. We don't see it fully. Uh, it it's, it's, won't fully come until he comes again. And so there's this already, but not yet. But even in the already, so like today, he calls believers to be about his kingdom work. So that is, telling other people about the forgiveness and mercy and grace of Jesus, to be about calling people to be reconciled to God. It's about being light in a dark world. It's about bringing order to chaos. It's about being the salt of the earth. So we have kingdom responsibilities because the kingdom has come, even though it's not come in its fullness yet, we're in this already but not yet state, but we're, we're called to, to push it forward, to, to advance the kingdom, to be about God's kingdom work. Again, seems difficult when the world is pushing against us. There's so much hurt in the world. Marriages are struggling. You've got people that could care less about God, that don't even know if they are 
frankly, like don't, they for sure don't think that the Bible is God's word. There's so many other religions pulling at people's hearts and so many other philosophies pulling at people's minds. It's a, it's a broken world. So how do we not just stand still, but push forward the kingdom of God in a broken world? How can there be hope for the kingdom of God? When, let's be honest, you and I are pretty messed up as well. We have the hope of Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit, but we're broken too. Some people say, um, you're your own worst enemy. And that's true, right? We often sabotage ourselves. So again, if the goal is not to just stand still, but to move forward, how can there be hope for the kingdom of God in this broken world? Do you think the disciples ever felt hopeless? I think so. Think about... them sitting around the campfire with Jesus and he's talking about the kingdom of God and how it's gonna spread and take over the earth. And they're looking around, they're like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Judas, that, he's gonna go off the rails. I'm just telling you, that dude's got problems. Like, like so 11, like, this is gonna be the start of the kingdom of God. Like this group right here, Jesus, you know, Peter, that dude, he's always, he's so flaky, Jesus. And these, like Bartholomew, these dudes have some temper problems, like sons of thunder for sure, because they, th- thunder bro, like these dudes got issues. And you're saying, we're, we're gonna be the kingdom of God. Like, dude, I, just a few years ago, I was out there catching fish and now I'm supposed to be a fisher of men. Right, Jesus, right. I think, I think they probably felt that tension. Like, how can there be hope for what you're talking about, Jesus, when it's us? When this, this is what we got. Hey, I know this is poor form, but if I don't blow my nose, I'm not gonna be able to preach. (laughs) Online folks, it's getting the real deal this morning, all right? (laughs) Add to what I was just saying before that. (laughs) Jesus said some kind of weird things. People are like, I love the gospels. I love the gospels too, but the gospels can be hard to understand because Jesus said some interesting things. Mark chapter four, verse 26. Mark chapter four, verse 26. 26, sorry. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this. He said, a man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus says, all right, guys, listen, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like man goes out and scatters seed and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and he goes to sleep and he wakes up and it just produces a crop and he doesn't know how. What? (laughs) Then he goes on, it gets a little more weird. Verse 30, and he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. If you 
We're graduating out of college and going to work for a company. And the president of the company was like, look, we got an incredible company. We're just beginning here. It's going to be amazing. It's going to grow. It's going to be, it's starting off small, but it's going to be huge. And you were like, tell me your plan. Like, like it's a 40 day plan. <laughs> One growth per day for 40 days. It's going to be amazing. Like, how is this going to happen? And the guy was like, or the girl was like, you know what? It's, it's just going to happen. You're not going to know. It's just going to happen. You'd be like, <laughs> slowly back away, right? What kind of plan is that? It's just going to happen. It's, it's real small now, but trust me, it's going to get big. It's going to be awesome. Like, that's your plan? I can't imagine, but maybe, maybe or I can't imagine the disciples sitting there and they're, Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, have you heard about the Roman Empire? Like, a little bit of an obstacle there for the kingdom of God to grow. And, and, and Jesus None of us, we don't, we don't have swords. Like we don't have them. There's, there's 12 of us. And again, Judas, he ain't long, bro. I'm telling you, it's gonna go bad for him. How are we supposed, how is this kingdom supposed to just grow? We don't really know how it's gonna work. How can there be hope for the kingdom? Verse 33, it says, he was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, the ones we just heard, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. So, did you catch that? To the disciples, to the 12, he kind of huddles them in and he's like, here's what's gonna happen. Here's what these parables mean. Here's how this works. You know, it's frustrating though, if you keep reading, if you read too fast, you won't get it. But he doesn't, he didn't tell us. Like we're left with, Oh, that's how the kingdom of God works. It just, it, we don't know. It just grows. Cool, awesome. Explain it to the disciples, but he doesn't explicitly right there explain it to us. What's cool about the Bible is, or, or uh, cool, I don't know if that's the right word, but interesting is often we read our Bibles too fast or we just like to focus on a few verses at a time, which is not necessarily bad. You can dig in really deep there. But the problem is you, you, you lose the greater context. You see, what you're gonna see in a second, Mark does tell us kind of the, the secret and how there can be hope for the kingdom of God to grow and be so amazing. But he does it through two stories. So if if you don't see the connection of this larger context, you'll miss it. You're like, oh, that's a cool story. And I've actually, I've even uh, about a year ago, uh, preached part of this passage by itself. I think that was okay. But I think it's actually part of a larger natural unit showing how can there be hope for the kingdom of God? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. So he explained it to the disciples and now Mark is gonna explain it. John Mark is gonna explain it to us through two stories. Chapter four, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So Jesus is with his disciples. They're gonna cross over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. This is crazy. Even today, the Sea of Galilee, the way the wind comes down from the hills and into the Sea of Galilee, even today, the waves can reach up to eight feet high. Like if you're on a yacht or a cruise ship, eight feet ain't no problem. But when you're on like what they were on, eight feet is a problem, right? Out there in the dark of night, they don't have, uh, you know, huge lights to help like a yacht would. Like they're out there in the dark in this boat. And it says that 
the boat was being swamped. It's something the SV says it was already being filled. So the waves are so bad that water is coming into the boat. So this is not like, oh man, we got a little storm. No, this is like, we could die out here. You can imagine them like trying not to go over the side as the waters, the waves are crashing into the boat. You can almost hear the wood creaking under the pressure of the waves. And where was Jesus? It says, verse 38, he was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. I always love that, right? They're up top. The wind and the waves are howling and roaring and crashing on the boat. He just, I'll cut it up on the pillow, right? So they, it says they woke him up. And I always think about that moment. Like, you know, if you have little kids, you go in in the morning, if they're still sleeping, you're like, hey, buddy, how's it going? This is not how they woke up Jesus, I'm sure, right? Like they're in the middle of a storm and this dude is sleeping. Bro, get up. Maybe they didn't call him bro, but like, Jesus, Get up. What, what are you doing sleeping? And they says, they asked him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? So this, this is a serious storm, serious enough that they say, Jesus, if you don't do something, we're going to die. Do, do you not care? It says, he got up. Envision <laughs> him kind of turning from, I don't know exactly what it looked like, but from the pillow and setting his feet down walking to the front of the boat and the rain is dripping off his beard because he was a manly man who had a beard. <laughs> Not that a beard makes you a man. Anyways, walks to the front boat and he says, silence, be still. Just like that. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. turned back, looked at them and said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, and they were terrified. <laughs> like notice before this, I don't know that it actually says they were scared. It's obvious they were scared because they say, do you not care that we're going to die? But for the first time in this passage, unless I'm just missing something, I don't think I am. It says they were terrified question, not a trick question. Who are they terrified of now? Jesus. Not like creepy, monster, scared, but no. The, their question reveals what kind of scared or ter- uh, what kind of terrified. They asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This dude speaks and creation listens. We've got two points to the sermon. First point, how can there be hope for the kingdom of God? Number one, because Jesus is the king of creation. He's the king of creation. Jesus, the one before whom mountains bow down and worship because he created and the one whom speaks in the sea calms because he spoke the sea into existence. That Jesus is the king of creation. If you are a follower of Jesus, he is with you. And as you go about his kingdom work, he goes with you. So when you approach your your broken marriage or you approach the folks at work that don't know Christ and you're trying to to live out this kingdom and and show show them the love and grace of Jesus that, that comes with his kingdom, you can go with confidence because the king of creation goes with you. There's a ministry in India if you're like, man, what is it? How could like specifically, what does that have to do with like 
God's kingdom work. This is kind of a, a crazy example, but it's a really cool example. There's a ministry in India called Sower of Seeds. Um, and they, Lord, I'm gonna look at you and tell me if I'm telling it wrong. But they, they work, um, they, they, their aim is to help free women and children from sex trafficking. And so they go into the red light districts of India and work to free these women and share the gospel with them and give them and show them the hope and mercy and grace and forgiveness and fresh start that can be found in Jesus Christ. It's an incredible ministry. One of the pastors uh, that works for them uh, was telling us that one day he had been in the red light district, again, trying to connect with uh, the women and children to, to free them, building re- connections and relationships to be able to free them. And as he was leaving, a pimp that was one of the ringleaders, I'm probably not using the right words, but uh, using one of, or sorry, one of the ringleaders for their organization to, to traffic uh, women and children began to chase this pastor and was going to kill him because they knew the pastor had been preventing them from accomplishing their terrible, sinful work. So the pastor's running and begins to pray, God, you gotta help me. Like, this is it. This dude's gonna, this guy's gonna kill me. This is it. So as he's praying that, he's running under this, um, I guess, like, like an awning, uh, part of the building that's kind of sticking out. Y'all know what awning is. And runs past the, or as he's praying, he runs under that. Well, right behind him is the, is the man chasing him. As soon as the pastor gets out from underneath the awning and the pimp goes under the awning, the awning collapsed on him and killed him. So the pastor turned around and was like. How can there be hope for the kingdom of God? Because Jesus is the king of creation. And when he's like, I'm gonna take this fool out. Like he can do it. A little extreme, I know but that's real life. <laughs> that same Jesus walks with us as we walk in his kingdom work. Now, some of you, you're sitting there and, and you're thinking about maybe what the Apostle Paul says later that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against Satan, right? He's actually the true enemy. So when you think about this whole standing still isn't easy, but I'm not just trying to stand still as much as I love the song of Ben Rector. I'm trying to push forward the kingdom of God and advance his kingdom work and be about sharing the gospel and making disciples. One of our, our, our biggest obstacle is the enemy, is evil, is Satan. Well, luckily, or providentially, John Mark tells us another story to help us understand how there can be hope for the kingdom of God. Chapter five. Same scene, we're, we're not, it's a new chapter, but we're still in the same story. They came to the other, si- the other side of the sea. So again, in the night, they're crossing, wind and waves, it's terrible. They finally reach land. Can you imagine the disciples like, man, that was a crazy night, but we made it. And watch this. They came to the other side of the sea to the region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. This is a demon-possessed man. So think about this. They've been riding all night on the boat. They get to the other side of the sea. And the first thing that happens, they step out of the boat and a demon-possessed man runs up to them. <laughs> you think walking with Jesus is an easy life? We're gonna make things simple and smooth and chill. Eh, wrong. <laughs> Following Jesus leads you to some crazy places. 
Just think about if the disciples were like going to see a counselor and the counselor's like, you seem stressed. Do you have any stressors in your life? And you're like, yes. (laughs) Verse three, this man lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain because he often had bound, excuse me, had been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Like all jokes aside, this is a creepy dude. When you live in a cemetery and you scream all day, and we'll find out later that he apparently was naked, running around, cutting himself, screaming, demon possessed. This is not the guy, oh dude, good to see you, bro. No. Not a trick question. Why? It's never a trick question. (laughs) Why, Why would they have, why would they try to restrain him? Why would they try to put shackles on him? Hmm? He could hurt someone. He's dangerous, right? He's dangerous to himself. He's cutting himself and he's dangerous to other people. The evil one, demons, Satan come to what? Still kill and destroy. Hey, quick question. Is demon possession and demon oppression, so like being influenced and, um, yeah, I guess influenced or like, uh, what's the word I want to look for? We'll stick with influence, sorry. Is that limited to just back in the Bible times or far away like in India or in Africa or wherever? No, stuff happens here. Lauren and I, one time we're in someone's house here in Lubbock and a lady, a lady was speaking and it was for sure, it wasn't, I don't think it was demon possession, but it was demon oppression. It was dark. I didn't know what to do. Luckily, my wife is awesomer than me and like grabbed her and began to pray in the name of Jesus and talk about chills. It was a dark experience. Not just then, happens here. Verse six, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. So this demon possessed man comes and runs and kneels down before Jesus. And he cried out with a loud voice. I'm not gonna do a demon voice, I almost did. (laughs) What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. I mean, this is cool. So right at the gate, the demon recognizes this is not just some dude. This is Jesus. This is son of the most high God. Go back to the last story. What we saw, the king of creation. So this demon, while he's strong and powerful, comes and bows, takes a knee before Jesus. It was like, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Because he's scared to death of who? Jesus. This man that is terrifying everyone else is terrified of Jesus. Jesus It says, um, verse eight, for he had told him, Jesus had said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? Jesus asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. The point here is not to figure out exactly how many demons were in this man. A legion was Roman army, so could even be up to 6,000 men. 
it's not about technically how many demons. The point is Jesus wasn't just facing one demon. He was facing an army of demons. Satan had done his, weird to say this, but Satan had done his, some of his best work with this man. And him and Jesus, are, are, the demons and Jesus are squaring off and they're begging him, please don't torment us, Jesus. Please have mercy on us. They begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. Hey, quick, cool little thought here. So they're in a Gentile region here. So thinking more in, in their terms, so you had like uh, Isra- Israelite regions and Gentile, or sorry, Jewish regions, Gentile regions. And some of them felt like, well, a certain gods only have certain power in certain regions. But even the demons recognize it don't matter what region they're in, Jesus has authority there. No matter what region. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. The herd of about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. What in the world is that about? I think it's a little piece of, of John Mark showing, giving us confirmation that there really were thousands of demons possessing this dude, that Jesus really was facing an army of demons, not just one. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside and people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon possessed sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Think about that. What an odd time to say, to describe people as being afraid. You walk up and a man who used to scream and run around and cut people and cut himself and, and run around naked living in the cemetery. Now that man is suddenly sitting calmly with clothes on in his right mind, sitting there, sitting down in a chair or on the rock, whatever. And people come up and they're scared. Of, they're scared. Question. Who are they scared of? Thank you, preteen. They're scared of Jesus. They're not scared of this dude now. They're scared of Jesus. Those who had, verse 16, those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. Now we could put up with this crazy dude living in the tombs, but whoever this is that's powerful enough to subdue that demon-possessed man, that, that dude, he's too much for us. He, he's too powerful. What is Mark telling us? How can there be hope for the kingdom of God that, yeah, it's small, but it's gonna grow and be massive and you're not gonna fully understand it? How can there be hope for that to happen? Because King Jesus is victorious over hell. <laughs> That's our second truth. Not only is he the king of the creation, king of creation, King Jesus is victorious over hell. Even hell itself, Satan himself, stands no chance against Jesus. Not even a little bit. No, no chance. No chance whatsoever. So again, with your, your broken friendships, your broken marriage, that it seems like darkness has crept in. Jesus says, that darkness ain't no match for me. 
When you're going and sharing the gospel with, with, with those that don't know Christ and they seem to care less and there's a darkness that has blinded their hearts and minds, Jesus says, that darkness ain't no thing for me. When you're going overseas or somewhere in North America on a mission trip and it seems like the enemy has a stronghold there, Jesus says, hey, that stronghold ain't nothing for me. I've broke a few chains, I don't mind breaking some more because Jesus is victorious over hell. There is hope for the kingdom of God because of him. What did he say? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Not you, Christ in you. Revelation 20 says that there's coming a day when Satan and all his cronies will be cast in the lake of fire forever. His time's are coming. His time's are coming. Notice that Satan is not scared of us. He's scared of the king. <laughs> He's scared of King Jesus. As long as we're rolling with him, there's hope for the kingdom. <laughs> we can be bold in it. I love, I'm gonna steal this from my friend, Walt Barnes. He, he shares this example of, um, I'll just pick on this section over here. I don't, want, I don't actually want you to stand up, but if all the men in this section wanted to fight me, let's go, bro. <laughs> if all the men, just kidding. If all the men in this section wanted to fight me, it's, it's gonna be bad for me, right? It's gonna be really bad. Like, and let's, let's, by the way, let's put away, there's, there's no knives, there's no guns, it's just man-to-man combat, right? But if I challenged you guys, and I was like, before we get started, I have a friend, and a massive male lion came out here and stood by me, y'all would be scared to death. If y'all's faces, you're like, nah, I'm out, <laughs> right? Jack, I don't care that you do CrossFit, you can't handle this lion, bro, <laughs> right? Like, it's gonna get ugly, that, that's the picture of scripture. That yeah, by myself, I, yeah, I should be scared. But I have King Jesus beside me and the enemy cowers in his presence. The, the darkness, what's the song saying? Trembles at the name of Jesus because he is victorious over hell. He is the supreme ruling king, the creator. There's hope for the kingdom because of the king, amen? He's our hope. He's our, our chance at, at people hearing the gospel and, and receiving it. He's our hope at darkness being turned to light because there's hope for the kingdom because of the king. Now listen, as we finish up, listen. Actually, before I conclude, I, I, I can't miss this. Sorry, I just forgot, I didn't read the last part. Sorry, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. Jesus did not let him, but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how he has had mercy, excuse me, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. Can you imagine what I wanted to point out there? Could you imagine if that man that Jesus had just freed from those thousands of demons, Jesus told him to go and have Man, go tell people your story. Go tell people about the mercy God has had for you. Could you imagine if that man was like, oh, I don't know, Jesus. Like, that's kind of scary. Like, I don't, I don't know. When you've experienced the power and the grace and mercy of Jesus and realize and, or know that he goes with, this spirit goes with you, you don't go in fear anymore, amen? Man, Jesus just has freed me and 
save me? What, what do I have to be afraid of? He's the king of creation. He's victorious over hell. I don't need to walk in fear. Now back to my conclusion. <laughs> the only hope that Satan has for slowing down, he can't stop it, but for maybe slowing down God's kingdom work in and through us, the only hope is for him to get our focus off of Jesus and onto ourselves. Because when you realize that you have a lion beside you, you will, what's Danny Henderson always say? Attack hell with a water pistol, right? The only hope he has is us being obsessed with ourselves instead of being obsessed with Jesus. There's a reason that after talking about the kingdom growing and um, you don't fully understand it, there's a reason that to kind of explain like there's hope for it to grow and, and to blossom and be this big thing. There's, he, Mark did not give two stories about how awesome we are. He did not give two stories about, man, those disciples, those guys were amazing. No, he gave two stories about Jesus. So was it Dr. Edwards says? So the master plan, what is the master plan? The master is the plan. <laughs> Jesus is the plan. How can there be hope for the kingdom? How can it grow? How can we see people's lives change? Not because you and me. No, the master is the plan. That's how it's gonna happen. And if you're wondering, man, okay, like as we go, if you're still, even at looking at these stories, like, man, is Jesus really the king of kings, the Lord of lords? I love what Ben Stewart says or asks. How do you know that someone is the king of kings and Lord of lords? They pick a fight with death and they win. <laughs> that's what Jesus did. You read the rest of Mark, that's what you find. <laughs> Jesus picks a fight with death, hell, the grave, Satan himself, and he wins. <laughs> He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So we go boldly. We know there's hope for God's kingdom work in our lives and through our lives, not because of us, because of the king. So how do we respond? Some of you this morning, you need to realize that Jesus, when he picked a fight with death and won, that in so doing, he made a way for you to be saved, to be forgiven of your sin and, and to come into a reconciled, right relationship with God. That he paid the price for your sins on the cross. And when he rose again, he, he, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. If you will simply, it's not easy, but simply turn from your sins and turn to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I wanna trust you as my Lord and Savior. And I wanna follow you in this kingdom adventure. This morning, if that's you, as we sing in a minute, there'll be some, some staff folks down front that would love to pray with you, talk with you about what that decision is. If you're watching online, man, shoot us a message. We'd love to know that you received Christ this morning. For believers, I think there's two things and I'll be done. I think for believers, one thing, maybe some of us this morning need to ask God to give us a hope kind of mindset. I think we can get in this negative rut of like, man, it's just hard being a Christian and which it is. And, and man, like, I just don't know if there's hope out there in the world. Like this morning, maybe you need to ask God to give you a hopeful perspective because of the King. <laughs> To, to realize that there's hope for what God's doing in your life and there's hope for that person you've been praying for and they don't seem to be responding. There's hope because of the king. So maybe just asking God to bolster your faith and your hope in him. And I would say the second response for believers, like I already mentioned, is to go in boldness. To realize, man, 
Sure, not every single person I share the gospel is gonna get saved, but there's hope for the kingdom to grow. There's hope for people to go from darkness to light, from chaos to order because of the king. So I'm gonna go with confidence and boldness. So maybe this morning, as we sing this song here in a minute, you need to just ask God to give you boldness to go. Again, there'll be some staff folks down front and whatever your response is this morning, as we sing this song here in a second, they would love to pray with you, talk with you, maybe just and pray for you. If you say, hey, I wanna come and I could use prayer for encouragement and boldness. Would you pray for me? They would love to do that. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing and respond. Y'all stand with me as we pray. God, we're grateful for Mark sharing these two incredible stories that show us that you're the king of creation, that you're, as the king, you're victorious over hell. And because of that, there's hope for the kingdom. That you did not send us on this impossible mission. It is impossible by ourselves, but it's not impossible with you. God, to, to, to know and remember that you're not in heaven biting your nails, wondering how things are gonna turn out, but you are confident because you are the king. Lord, because of that, would you draw people to yourself? Would you help them to surrender to you this morning for salvation? God, and give them boldness to come and talk with one of these folks down front. Or would you give believers hope? God, maybe they've been living in a discouragement rut or a depression rut or just feeling like there's no point in living for you. God, would you give them the hope of the King this morning? And Lord, for all of us as believers, would you embolden us to go out knowing the lion is by our side? Yes, this world is dark, but we serve the king of light. And to his rule, there shall be no end. God, we love you. Would you stir our hearts as we sing this song? In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 